Welcome to the amazing history of sports. Hello, Tahoe's Nation. Welcome back to the Amazing History of Sports podcast. My name is Tom Tom the Gator Cat. I am here with Don DeRoos. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the year that the NFL went bananas and chose a kicker as the MVP. What? A kicker? A kicker, Don. <laughs> a kicker. Woo. All right. Well, pitter patter. Let's get at her, Tommy. Let's go. Tahoe's on three. One, two, three. Tahoe's. Welcome back to the amazing history of sports. My name's Don DeRoos. Sitting next to, as always, TC Tommy Greater. Greater, it's uh, Gator, actually. <laughs> greater the Gator. He is Greater the Gator. But it's Super Bowl week, Tommy. How excited are you? Not at all. <laughs> what? I know, right? It feels like deja vu, dude. I mean... That's all I was thinking after the Patriots won. It's just again. I know. It's again. just every every year I'm just like, all right, who who's going to beat the Patriots? Who am I rooting for this year? Obviously, I'm going for L.A. Goff, send it, Gurley. You know my. Well, uh, and the funny thing is, you know, you'd have to be a fool to bet against the Patriots, and neither one of us picked the Patriots. So neither one of us picked them at the beginning of the season, nor when we redid our picks. Yeah, nobody. Nobody here in this room got a, a chance. I, I think we're just sick and tired of seeing the Patriots. So everybody has this hope that we're not going to see them and you're going to have a little bit of Well, that begs the change. question. Are you picking with your head or your heart? And both of us had to have been picking with our hearts. Yeah. Tim Brady. I'm over it. But Tim it, Brady. Tim Brady. Tim Brady. Know. But no, really what Tom, what Tom Brady and, and Belichick have been able to accomplish is remarkable. And he just takes these teams that are mediocre, the the amount of, or I guess you say the lack of receivers that Tom Brady has had this year. It doesn't matter. Regardless, he's going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty crazy to watch. Everybody's obviously listened to a sports history podcast, so they have to appreciate sports history and just know that and this is somewhat obvious but we're watching history in the making and we may never see this again for as long as we live or as long as the nfl is around tommy this may be a one-off scenario and the conversation of who is the greatest quarterback of all time there's no conversation anymore and you'd have to be an idiot to not agree with that yeah i mean as he's you know just like just like wine you know tom seems to get better with time right (laughs) yeah the the biggest patriots haters can no longer deny that he is the greatest to ever play the game as much as it may pain some of us to say tom a remarkable story so hopefully they lose though and then you know he'll have four super bowl losses at least he'll have the same amount as jim kelly and uh you know, that'll be some consolation, right? Yeah, he'll hold some of the worst and some of the best records. So, we'll <laughs> depending if you're an optimist or a pessimist. Well, as of now, he's only lost to NFC East opponents. So, if he wins this week, that trend will continue. So, well, it won't continue. Well, NFC if he wins West. this week, I'm saying. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. gotcha, NFC gotcha. Giants, so, Giants and, uh, and Eagles. Eagles 
hate both of them, but (laughs) (laughs) those are tough Super Bowls to watch, too. You're rooting for a division rival or the Patriots, you know. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to root for Kansas City this week or have to make that choice. Oh, God. Give me, give me Mahomes, please. <laughs> give me Mahomes. I am so worried about that for the next uh, 15 years in the AFC West. That is going to suck. Yep, yep. All right, well, let's get to the episode. We're talking about something very, very strange today, Tommy, and that is the year that the NFL gave the MVP to a kicker. Mike Trout. That's it. That's the episode. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty strange season. And, and uh, I like to think that I'm a huge NFL fan and I had no idea that this happened. And I talked to my dad about it. Uh, you know, he's in his sixties and he even kind of forgot about it because it was a, the, the NFL season was actually shortened due to a strike, and we'll, we'll go into that here a little bit later, but it was just a weird season overall in the NFL. Yes, so we are talking about Mark Mosley, or as most people called him, Mosley. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Mark Mosley. He played for the Redskins in the 82 season, but he did play for a few different teams, and he's from none other than... Old Tejas, Tommy. Old Tejas. Yep. So he was uh, born in Texas, moved moved around a little bit in his early years uh, with his family. And then in the fifth grade, uh, his family moved back to Texas to Livingston. And from there on, he played football as a, as a little kid, played running back in, uh, in Pee Wee, and then eventually went to college. And he played at Texas A&M and Stephen F. Austin State University. Yep, Stephen F. Austin, Texas A&M. You know, not as good as Texas, but... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and so what's special about Mosley is that he was a straight-on kicker. And I highly recommend you to go watch some YouTube videos, just YouTube Mark Mosley. You know, if you're you're basically in your early 30s or 20s, possibly, you probably have never seen this kicking motion before. And it's very odd when you look at it. Yeah, kickers nowadays they, nowadays, they offset a little bit from the ball, and they kick it in a soccer style. And he would line up straight with the ball, take one step, and just boot it with, a, you know, with his hammer foot that he had. Yeah, and so when you see the kickers go three steps back, and they take, like, two steps to the left, he didn't do that. He just walked straight back from the ball. And it's really weird because his leg doesn't come under the ball or under the... Like, you would think that he would be knocking the holder's finger half the time, kicking yeah. it straight on. And he's hitting it, he's hitting it with the toe of his shoe rather than, like, the inside, <laughs> you know, side of it. It's the, it, it, look, it looks goofy, and you wonder, like, how could it possibly, how could it possibly work? But well, and you think about kicking a soccer ball with your toe, you're always told not to do that growing up because you never know which way it's going to go, basically. You have no control over it. Yeah. So it seems bizarre to kick a even uh, more oddly shaped ball with your toe. How did you have any confidence of where it was going to go? Yeah, and I mean, this this style of kicking was very, very common in the early days of, of football. It's pretty much how all the kickers did it. But then in the 60s, um, there were a couple of brothers who came from, uh, came from overseas, 
and they changed uh, the hey, kicking game forever. Hey, we come from overseas to change the kicking. <clears throat> they were, uh, yeah, they were these two Hungarian guys, Pete and Charlie Gogolak, and they started the, Gogolak. you know, what we call the, the the traditional soccer style kick. And so pretty much everybody had gotten, you know, all the kickers had phased that out or phased out the straight on kick. But when he was, uh, when Mosley was playing at Texas A&M and Stephen F. Austin, um, he played quarterback, linebacker, and corner. But he also served as the kicker because he was better kicking straight on than all of the other recruits. So he just kind of like took on this role. And actually in his senior season, he set the Lone Star Conference record for most points in a game as well as the most field goals made in a season. So, you know, he's just doing – he, he, he just was like, yeah, I'll, I'll jump up and, you know, try out and, you know, see if I'm better. And he just kept booting these – Long field goals in practice, and so they gave him the job in in uh, in college, which eventually led to his pro career. Yeah, he sounds like a badass. He's just like, yeah, I play quarterback. Sure, I'll kick. I mean, he sounds like the early day Nick Foles, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> the jack of all trades, right? Yeah. The BDN. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so his pro career. Uh, yeah, his pro career. He's the straight on kicker. He's the last straight on kicker in the NFL. In fact. Uh, there's been, like you, like we were talking about before the episode started, there was one guy that made a kick as a straight-on kicker, but yeah, as so, a full-time kicker, he's the last one. Yeah, there's one guy who made it after him who was a punter who only, you know, made like 15 field goal attempts in his entire career. So he was pretty much the last of the straight-leg kickers. But he started his career um, playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was drafted 346th in the fourth uh, four, excuse me, 14th round. And in his rookie year, he wasn't remarkable or anything. He made 14 of 25 field goals and was eventually cut by the Eagles. The following year, he was picked up by the Houston Oilers, where he played in only 13 games. And it's kind of the same deal. He went 17 for 28 on field goals, wasn't, wasn't doing that well, cut by the team. And after that, he was actually out of football for a couple of years. Um, he was, uh, I think they said that he was installing septic tanks in Texas in the meantime. But he kept practicing, kept, uh, kept trying with his, or uh, practicing with his wife. And then he gets picked up by the Redskins in 1974. Uh, the coach had remembered, uh, had remembered Mosley kicking in a really crappy uh, game of uh, with crappy weather conditions and booting a couple of field goals, and they were desperate at the time, so uh, they asked him to try out. So that's where he started his career with the Redskins, 1974. Yeah, and this is where he spends most of his career. He's going to spend about 12 years with the Redskins, but really we need to jump forward to the 82 season. This is the season we're really talking about. The previous two seasons, 80 and 81, were much like the rest of his career, he went 37 for 63, which at the time is actually pretty on par with the rest of the league. You know, the field goal percentages back then were really in the high 60s. Uh, you know, some of your better field goal kickers would be in the 70s, but it wasn't like today where you had kickers in the 80%. Uh, obviously, the game's changed a lot since then, but 82 season, Mosley's played a good majority of his career by now. He's 34 years old heading into this season. And uh, like we said earlier, this is the strike-shortened season, one of many, we should say. Uh, this was a 57-day-long player strike. Uh, the result of the strike ultimately was that they shortened the games 
uh, or shorten the season from 16 games to nine games. And the odd thing was they had a break in between the seasons. So they played the first two weeks, and then what, they had a seven-week, I think it was a seven-week-long yep. break? Yep, seven-week-long break. And, and, you know, not we're not going to dive too much into the reasoning for the uh, for the lockout, but uh, long story short, the, NF- the NFL uh, Players Association saw the books for the owners, and so they were like, yeah, we're not getting a, a fair cut <laughs> for compared to what you guys are making in the billions of dollars. So uh, they were demanding more, uh, more of the revenue, a larger percentage. Well, as any strike, it's usually money-related, and this one was no different. So... Also, they ended up having a 16-team playoff, eight from each conference, which, you know, they did that to make it fair since you're only playing nine games. You don't have a big sample size, but still very, very strange to have eight teams from each side. Yeah, and this was the first time in NFL history that a team with a losing record made the playoffs, and there were actually two of them, the Lions and the Browns. Nice. (laughs) Four and five. Only fitting, you know, at least for today's times, right? Oh, the Lions and the Browns, right? The two losing teams to make the playoffs. (laughs) All right, so we go into that season, I mean... This is an MVP season, so we're going to discuss why he won the MVP. And you got to wrap your head around a kicker winning the MVP, and we're going to tell you why. So, oh, you know, the, probably the most outstanding fact was his field goal percentage, Tommy. Yeah, so this guy go, mostly goes 95.2% on his field goals for the season, which is 20 for 21. 20 for 21. And keep in mind, they played nine games. That's why he only had 21 attempts. Uh, so 95%, what does that mean? The league average that year was 62, or excuse me, 68.2%. And over the last four seasons, the league average has been 84%. From 2014 to 2018. Yep, exactly. The, the field goal percentage has been 84%. So 95%, even with a nine-game sample size, it's very impressive. However, there's one caveat in this MVP campaign. And that is that he went 16 for 19 on PATs. And this is when they were from the three-yard line. Yeah. <laughs> so he, had, you he know, had better odds that year of hitting a long field goal than he did a chip shot. And although he did not even attempt a field goal further than 50 yards. I think 48 was actually as long on the season. And he hit that in week one. That's one of his notable field goals. In fact, he hit that at the end of regulation to tie the Eagles in week one, and then he went on to make a overtime field goal to win the game. And so that's really where the argument stems from, is that a lot of his kicks were made in big-time moments. Yeah, for example, in week two, the Redskins were playing against Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay, and in stormy conditions, Mosley goes three for three. Yep, he did, however, miss two extra points that game, and I looked it up, neither one of them were blocked. So... Uh, it's just so strange that he missed the extra points, but he was able to make the the field goals. Uh, maybe like Cody Parkey, huh? Or Brett Maher. They're good from <laughs> good from long, but they suck from short. Right. All right. So another notable week. Week. Uh, so after week two, they take uh, they take a long time off. They take seven weeks off, uh, and they're not going to end up coming back till week eleven. Obviously, there's no bye this season. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the next, uh, next game, week 11 against the Giants, he goes two for two, three for three from extra points. But, you know, neither one of these games, they really, 
he didn't have to go perfect on field goals to win either one of these games. They won by they won by ten points in each game. So, you know, on those two games, it kind of takes away the argument that he had to be extremely clutch. I mean, although it probably did help win the game, um, neither one of those came down to a last second field goal. Yeah, when they put he but his points the the points that he scored put them in a position to probably you know play the game a little bit differently at the end you know it's when you're down by 10 you're two two possessions versus a single one right so if he misses one of those field goals it's a whole different game right yep you can argue with that too but i mean the so week one against the eagles where he hits the field goal to send it to overtime and then wins in overtime and then week 15 against the giants this is probably the most notable game of the season those are the only two games that the, the game was within three points or less. So if you're trying to make the argument for MVP, though, if he's the most valuable player to the team, you know, there's only two games where, just looking at the game logs at least, that he needed to be absolutely perfect for them to win. Yeah, well, in the game against the Giants, though, where he goes three for three, he gets a game winner, winning 15 to 14. You know, he scores nine of the points, and that's what propels... Washington to the playoffs. So it was a clutch moment, a clutch day to to have a performance like that. Yeah, so that did clinch the playoff spot, and it also broke the record at the time for most consecutive field goals made without missing at a whopping 21. So you know, since then, this record has been broken multiple times, and you can probably guess who holds the record now. Uh, Adam Vinatieri, so... <laughs> greatest kicker ever possibly but he's made 44 straight without missing that's not a ongoing record but you know he more than doubled Mosley's record just shows where kicking has gone you know kicking has improved quite a bit yeah and if you're wondering where the 21 field goals comes from because he only went 20 for 21 for the whole season um, that includes the the previous season in 81 he had uh, three consecutive uh, kicks to close out the season. So he actually had two records at the time. He had 23 consecutive kicks made and then 20 consecutive kicks in a single season. The only kick that he ended up missing in the 1982 season was in the final game, and it was a meaningless game. Uh, the, the the miss didn't really matter, but, uh, yeah, kind of funny how he missed <laughs> at, the, at the end of the season. He could have had a perfect season kicking, which you know would have been even more incredible. Well, and from what I read, uh, that game was actually after the MVP voting. And so that miss, he was perfect on the season, 20 for 20 going into that game, other than extra points at least. And, yeah, they won the game 28 nothing. so it's not like the kick cost him anything. But, yeah. So he wins the MVP, and now we go into the playoffs. Well, the during MVP, the regular season, what did he have, like 76 points? 70, which yeah. in, a, in a short In a strike-shortened season, they were saying, like, there was no thousand-yard rusher. There was no, you know, nobody threw over seventeen uh, touchdowns. Nobody threw over three thousand yards. So there weren't these glorified stats, right, for for the other position players, which is why, you know, he got he got boosted, you know, in a sense because nobody else really lit it up on, you know, a lot of the other position, uh, you know, running back and quarterback. Yeah, and you know, hundred percent at the time, basically going into the voting, and ends at ninety-five percent. I mean, it's a remarkable season, but I think it's safe to say, you know, we'll probably never see something this bizarre again. But, you know, sports are 
crazier things have happened in sports. So yeah, you know now now kickers, you, you know you get the Cody Parkies and the the Blair Walshes of the world, right? To where you get run out of town a lot quicker than you do, you know, praised. Yeah, and it's funny that most coaches admittedly hate kickers. So <laughs> yeah. it's funny that a kicker, <laughs> you know, helped them reach the playoffs, won the MVP, and you know, however, in the playoffs he wasn't as clutch. You know, he had a 50% field goal percentage in the playoffs, which... Yeah, four for eight. Four for eight. Begs the question, did the nerves get to him? Or uh, was this just an anomaly of a nine-game stretch where he was kicking out of his mind? Yeah, well, I mean, in the Super Bowl, he did go two for two, you know? And it, it, yeah, they won by 10 points, but going two for two in a big game like that, that's kind of clutch. So... You know, I wanted to talk about possibly some other MVP winners that stand out because this is undoubtedly the most outlandish MVP that that I read about. But I had a couple that that were you know head scratching to to say the least. Uh, so Dick Green, he played for the Oakland A's during the 1974 World Series, and this one stands out. He was the he ended up being the World Series MVP, so it's not the same, but it's still an MVP award. He only played 100 games during the regular season with uh, very average stats. But the most notable thing in the World Series is that he did not record a single hit in the World Series. And that's what I believe makes this most like a kicker winning the award, is that his teammates in the press credit his MVP award with his defensive play. Yeah, he just came came through in the clutch. Yeah, yeah, right. And you know, one of the one of his teammates said that, you know, he was making big plays in key situations, which Bossy. is which is when you read about Mosley's season, that's what his teammates in the press credit his MVP season to is that he came up with the big kicks in the big moments or in the key situations. And so Dick Green won a World Series MVP without recording a hit. And so I thought that one stood out quite a bit just because yeah. you know, it has some of the same oddities in it. Yeah, and one of the other weird ones that I was doing a little bit of research on was Bobby Richardson of the New York Yankees. He actually oh, won the World Series MVP in 1960 on a losing team. He basically won the MVP because... He came up in the clutch during all of the Yankees' victories. He ended up having 12 RBIs in the World Series, 11 of which were in Yankee victories. He had two triples, multiple home runs. Um, you know, all of his major stats, like his batting average, were in the high 300s. Um, so he had a phenomenal series, but it just it didn't, it didn't stick out as, you know, he played really well. You know, yeah. it didn't stick out like the kicker did. Yeah, and, you know, I really have no problem with him giving it to a losing team as long as it really is the MVP of the game. Yeah, as long as the performance warrants it, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, in the in the NFL, this has only happened one time, and it happened in Super Bowl V, you know, another, none other than a Dallas Cowboy. Uh, Chuck Howley, he was, an, he was a linebacker for the Cowboys, and this is when they lost to the Baltimore Colts. A linebacker. A linebacker won the NFL or the Super Bowl MVP in the Blunder Bowl. It's called the Blunder Bowl or the Stupor Bowl because there were 11 turnovers in this game, Tommy. 
Eleven. Eleven. The uh, the Colts turned the ball over seven times. Was it was it like were there adverse conditions? Was it like raining, snowing? What, what was going on? I'm not sure to be honest, but everybody's uh, just having an off day. I guess. A little too much partying. Defensive matchup for the ages, but you know, Howley had two interceptions. He had one in the end zone that prevented a a uh, tying touchdown at the time. Uh, this is when they didn't record sacks or tackles, so we really don't know how good a game he actually had. He had two interceptions. I would assume he had a few tackles and sacks. But, yeah, seven, seven turnovers by the Colts. That's why this is also the first time in NFL history that a defensive player got the Super Bowl MVP. And so that's happened in seven other Super Bowls since then, but this is the first and only time that a losing team has had the Super Bowl MVP in you know, a lot of that's probably because there's some heroics involved in the Super Bowl. A lot of times it comes down to a game-winning drive, and it's the last thing you remember type thing. So Yeah, these crazy performances can be, you know, can be on either team. It's such a team of sport, you know, and I, you would expect it in football much more so than any other sport where you would have a, you know, defender um, or someone on the losing team have an incredible re- performance. Yeah, and, and the last thing that I thought was a little interesting while I was researching – the NHL's Conn Smythe Trophy, which is given to the most valuable player in the playoffs, only four Americans have won that. It's been given out since 65. Obviously, hockey is a Canadian-dominated game, but still thought it was bizarre that only four Americans have ever won that award, and that's their MVP of the playoffs for the NHL. But, you know, this, is, uh, this, this episode was to inform everybody about perhaps the the uh, most bizarre and the last time a kicker is ever going to win the MVP. And the end of an era for the straight, straight on kickers or the toe kickers, as they called them. So we salute to you, Mark Mosley. And, you know, I don't think a super, I don't think a kicker's ever even won the Super Bowl MVP. Nope. Yeah. So, you know, that would actually make more sense than the season long MVP. You know, if a kicker went six for six or something in a Super Bowl with the winning kick, the winning kick, you know, that would make more sense. But, yeah, so, you know, don't ever say kickers don't do anything because they win MVP awards. <laughs> <laughs> history, history will tell you that. All right, well, that's all we got. Uh, visit us on Twitter at Tahoe's Podcast. That's at T-A-H-O-S Podcast. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all we got. We love you guys. And until next time, we're out. Thanks for listening. 